0: Fad families do this and they come out and they go, what else can we go do? The nine-year-old, the 93-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 50-year-old legitimately all had fun. They all enjoyed it. They all interacted together. They all worked together. I mean, it's this sort of really rare thing that brings everyone together in an actual fun
1: way. Hello, I'm Patrick Haynes and welcome to another episode of the Interesting People Podcast. I'm joined by Stephen Winder, the everything, I guess, the grand poobah of Clue IQ. It's an escape room in downtown Frederick. How's it going? Great. It's great to be here. You own an escape room in downtown Frederick. Want to really talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. But first of all, what's your background? Not very related. So I actually
0: have a degree in economics and I spent close to the last decade working in the casino industry, primarily in uh, gaming operations at a casino. I was always a big gamer, always a fan of sort of strategy games in particular, board games and that kind of thing. And always sort of been looking to do my own thing, my own business. And just kind of the right thing to find that fit that kind of made sense what was your aha moment did
1: you go to an escape it, room i played one
0: yeah. it was literally that moment i had heard of them i actually had first heard of them out of japan where i think a lot most sort of crazy interesting things um, <laughs> originate a lot of times so me and my friends and we were talking about it. we saw some video online of one and eventually we just went and played one years ago and it was it was just so different you know there's just not a lot of stuff to go do that's unique and innovative and we had an amazing time playing it and literally like that day i was thinking i don't only Want to play more of these, but I want to, like, I want this to be my life. Like, I want to do this every day. What's the
1: elevator pitch you would give someone of what an escape room is? You have this hour long
0: gameplay experience in a highly themed environment where you're going to take on some type of mysterious puzzle based challenge where you're going to have to search around the room, interact with objects, find hidden clues, crack codes, and ultimately you have to just kind of work together as a team to figure out how to accomplish
1: some goal or objective. And fun caveat about Frederick County or is this Frederick City, the fire code? Thing. Yes, it is the city. Yes. <laughs> for people that don't know, normally if you go somewhere else, the goal of an escape room is to actually get out of the room to unlock a door, but because of fire code, typically most
0: places, right? The goal is going to be just simply get out. That's sort of how it originated. Unlock a locked door somewhere, get out of a room. You're very safe, people of Frederick. Don't worry. The fire marshal has your back. It's super illegal to lock someone in a room or restrain them actually without having like you know a safe way for them to exit. So you're never trapped. You're never locked in inside of anywhere. But we try to give all of our games. It's sort of twofold for us. One to make sure we're compliant with the law and safe and all of that, but also because we want to tell more of a story in our games than perhaps some other places do. So we make all of our games sort of mission-based, where you have like a real concrete objective, whether you're trying to locate an object or access a certain piece of information or something. We sort of give you a real goal to make it a little more like a real-life video game. It sort of limits you as a storyteller too, because not every story and theme is going to fit, why do I want to get out of here? With our Excalibur room, your goal is literally to pull the sword out of the stone. It's You want to be in this place. It's a yeah. cool, magical sort of castle that you're in, and you know we don't want to have this feeling of like panic or pressure. Like You're trying to figure out how to get out of here. You're trying to figure out how you can get to that sword, yeah. and how you can pull it from the stone, and so you get to like, take over and be the new king, and it's this sort of really cool, you're sort of building up
1: to a really fun, dramatic ending, rather than just, let's get out of here. When you you designed your three escape rooms did you start with the props did you get your hand on a sword and go like well we should make a sword room or <laughs> we have this cool sword so. yeah, or it's like oh man I'm way into World War II like what was the reasoning behind doing a World War II room a conspiracy room and then King Arthur we wanted to have a good variety so we can tell
0: a very different story in each and they'll also take place in a very different environment like set design wise it's going to look and feel completely different in each room and a lot of that comes with experience too of just a lot of games I've played and traveled around and done and you've seen things that are really cool and really interesting and Trying to do something that's a little different but also is going to be enjoyable for people and then it's just sort of really an ongoing process of crafting it and making it something interesting and creative. That's probably a, a problem of mine, actually, is the tweaking. We have sort of like a big whiteboard for every room where we have sort of a list of ideas of oh. whether it's a new puzzle we want to put in or a way we can make an existing one better that we're sort of constantly, you know, our first two rooms have been running for about seven months now. Probably every week or two, something changes in them still. Oh, like, so you're still kind of
1: tweaking Constant. It. It's a constant process. So is that almost like you're watching how people are doing it? You observe. Yes, absolutely. That's the best part of the whole thing is getting to watch and listen to everybody. It's very entertaining. Do you consider that like your play testing in a certain way where like, oh, no one gets this puzzle. Yeah. Let's get rid of that so puzzle. So that's sort
0: of the, the early step, right, is when you think sort of you have it done. For us, our games are very uh, – there's a lot of sort of mechanical and tech components to them, right? Mm-hmm. So our sort of first alpha version of a testing is literally just like does this even work? Yeah. You're supposed to put this here and it's supposed to open this door. Did that happen? Like, okay. like, And then sort of part two, kind of the beta test is does it make any sense to people? Because it makes sense in your head because you oh, built yeah. it, right? <laughs> so you bring in your friends and family and you guinea pig them. Then you start bringing in some other random people and you sort of figure out that, OK, this is way too easy. This is way too hard. This just doesn't make any sense at all. And nobody understands or people take the information you give them and they go a totally different direction that you never imagined. Oh, and you cool. sort of tweak it and sort of work on it. Then eventually you get to where, OK, this works. But even from there, for me at least, it's still a constant process of you get some idea of how do you can make it better and more interesting. So it's just sort of an always evolving really thing. And t-
1: until the day those rooms close, mm-hmm. they're going to always sort of being tinkered with a little bit. That first puzzle moment. How hard is it to try and design that first thing? Like Most people come in our rooms, right, in the first five minutes, they're just sort of,
0: they're literally just sort of looking around like, whoa, what do (laughs) we do? It's sort of an overload of information because there's stuff everywhere. We put a lot into the set design and and aesthetics of everything where there's really a lot going on. We try to make our games what we would call multilinear. There's not necessarily one set path you have to go down. You don't have to do A, which gives you B, which gives you C. There's sort of a few different branches of things that are happening, and you can do them in a little bit of the order you want. You have to sort of control the flow a little bit to make sure things make sense and come together at the right time. We try to always create a very easy first step in Mm. all of the games where there's at least one thing that should be very simple. (laughs) Because it helps people sort of feel like, okay, we've done something at least. Because what you don't want to have happen is they've been in there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and they've accomplished nothing. The first sort of emotion is frustration. So you don't want that. So we try to create some type of at least one very easy, sort of very simple thing where they can sort of get a reward very early on. They've sort of unlocked something or they figured out a code of some kind and it kind of gets them going a little bit.
1: How long do you think you're going to keep your current rooms in rotation? It
0: is yet to be determined. We really just have to kind of wait and see. Eventually, one of the three rooms we have, it's just going to stop selling tickets as much. You know, Mm. People aren't going to be going to that one as much, whether it's just people have played it a lot already or it just isn't generating as much buzz and interest anymore. And then it's going to kind of be time to redo it. We have plans to hopefully figure out how to get some more space. Okay. And we would like to get to at least five unique rooms operating at one time before we have to go back and actually tear one down and rebuild it for something. So we have a couple plans for new rooms, but we're still kind of working out the logistics of it all.
1: And you guys are in downtown, Frederick. How much you like the location? I love being in downtown. It
0: took a while to find a location. We sort of started planning this business in like July of 2016. And we sort of eventually signed our lease in March of 2017. But finding the right spot was super important. To me, it's mostly a destination thing, you know. It's not really something people are just walking down the street and pop in and go. But I love downtown. You know, we've my family's been in Frederick for a long time, and I really wanted to be sort of in the heart of the city there. Also, what was really important for us was finding somewhere where we could actually build things Mm. and not be sort of restricted by the old office we're in. Our place had almost no walls in it, so we literally built our rooms from the floor to the ceiling. We put the walls exactly where we wanted them, so we were able to put things inside the walls and run wiring where we wanted it, and we were able to do a lot of more interesting interesting sort of tech and construction things. There's a chain pull thing. Our building is actually an old dry goods warehouse from the late 1800s. So it's this old brick warehouse building, and it has some of the original features of the building oh, that was still there. included. Yes. Oh, so that oh was So that was one of the things that I instantly fell in love with. You know, you sort of have two choices with weird stuff like that, right? Yeah. How can I try to hide this, which is the boring choice, versus how can I incorporate this into the room and into the story? Because that's something you're not going to find somewhere else, right? You're not going to get a hundred-year-old sort of elevator... <laughs> Door oh, that you're gonna be able to use into a game of some kind. So oh, there's some there's some very cool old components of the building that we actually incorporate into the
1: game and stuff, which that is, is a very was was something I fell in love with that space immediately because of that. Okay, I'm gonna be smiling about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually just gonna recall everybody I talk to and be like, Did you guys another thing you have that I haven't really seen a lot of places is the leaderboard. Was that something that you came up with? Are you really passionate about that kind of idea? Yeah, so I'm sort of a stats junkie. When I play
0: video games or whatever else, it might be some of my economics background even a little bit like i like to look at all the data and see like like achievements and stats it's just sort of a fun and interesting thing for me and then it was requested all the time everyone wants to know what's the fastest this has been done you know are competitive i think it's just sort of a human nature right people are very competitive so everyone wants to know what's the fastest that has been done everyone wants to be the best so while we try to make it more about we tell you know you should you can enjoy the experience do it kind of however you see fit it's your experience have everyone has fun differently but it is fun to sort of give people a goal to shoot for and when you do crack that leaderboard especially it's because it's hundreds of hundreds of different teams have played thousands of people so when you come out and you were the fourth fastest team that's ever done this it's people really feel pretty great about that (laughs) so hints are always a little different at different escape rooms some people yeah. like put a really hard limit on them some people sort of just they give you hints when they think you need them it's, it's a little different everywhere you go we don't like to limit people on hints because everyone's a little different some groups just want to finish and they don't really care how they finish and they will ask for help every step of the way and they'll have a great time they enjoy the experience they have fun but you know they look at something for a minute and they go okay what do we do with this and it's you know they just want constant <laughs> little nudges and other people don't want any help at all they're like adamant like don't help me at all we just whether we win lose whatever we want to do. it on our own. We give everyone sort of the same sort of set of guidelines, which is you get three hints and you're eligible for our leaderboard. But if you want more, have more. You can sort of make the experience your own however you want. So you definitely get groups that sort of use that as a very strategic resource because their goal is not only just to finish, but to finish fast. They will sort of very strategically, some of them will get in there and within the first two or three minutes, like, oh, let's get our first tent. Let's get on the right track and get moving. And they don't ever let themselves get stuck for long. They don't want to waste any time. Whereas other people really want to try to finish on their own. And so they might spend 20 Twenty minutes trying to figure out one puzzle and not ask for help just because they'd rather finish with seconds left without help than finish fast. So it's every group can do it however it's fun for them.
1: Have you seen a change of the culture of escape rooms? Do you have people that are just traveling all over the place or is it still there's yes. a lot of like fresh face people? It's definitely fresh face people. Most of our, our people that come in have
0: either no one's done it before or they have one or two people in their group that did it somewhere. But we do get those hardcore people now more and more that come in who have played 50 rooms. 80. I've talked to somebody recently who played like 162 rooms. And like they keep a spreadsheet of like huh. how many hints they use, how fast they did it, like oh, how that's... many people were in their group. like And they like plan trips around it now. Like, oh, like, all right, we have some family in Chicago, so we'll go visit them, but oh. let's see what escape rooms are in the area. And they plan out like a whole weekend around doing escape rooms now, where you get people who are like hardcore into this. There's people who are making them in their home now, like making their own for like, you know, friends come over and have like yeah. a board game night or something. They're crafting their own like little escape room. They're gonna be the game master and bring their friends over and and do this whole homemade, like people are getting hardcore into it, which is
1: super awesome. That is neat. You buy a bunch of padlocks. And you yeah, come up with some you just stuff.
0: go for it. You can sort of do a very kind of low budget, fun version of it still. You know, it doesn't have to be this sort of crazy in-depth thing to still be fun. Do you see a lot of team building as well? So that's something I didn't initially coming up with the plans, like our business plan. We had hoped that we would be able to get some companies to come in, but didn't realize sort of how successful it would be for that. <laughs> so as I've talked to more kind of whether it's a small business owner or kind of like an HR rep for a company, what I hear over and over again is there's, there's essentially nothing they can do for team building. And it's amazing how well it actually fits because it's it naturally requires communication and it requires teamwork and it requires creative thinking and problem solving. And someone typically will sort of step out as the leader and someone else is sort of quiet in the background. But a lot of times that's the person that sort of figures out the answers and it's sort of, does anyone going to listen to them yeah. when they speak up? Or <laughs> do they sort of say the answer and then they just sort of get overridden and they just kind of let it go? It's really, taken off for that. Really, the only limitation is sort of the size because we have companies that, like we want to bring 100 people in. It's amazing at how much it's starting to take over as like the go to kind of team building activity, I think, for a lot of companies. One of my new things, I think that it can really fit an amazing need for is like is interview process. So like job interviews are I feel like you don't really learn much interviewing a person because people can be very good at interviewing. It's sort of a skill, right? Yeah. So my sort of working theory is I'm still trying to find a company who's sort of brave enough to, to let me do this, right? Is say you want to hire an intern or something, Patrick, right? Yeah. So you have a bunch of people apply, and you go, all right, I got these four candidates that maybe are going to be good at this. So you bring them to me, I put them in an escape room, you sit down with me in the control room, and you watch these four people try to play this game together, <laughs> and you see who's creative, who's a problem solver, who panics and gets frustrated and gets angry, and who remains calm, and you watch <laughs> that interaction for an hour, and you're going to learn so much more about them in that hour than you ever could talking to them in an
1: official interview. That sounds like a reality show. You, we yeah, film you could it probably film it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably could. Do you monitor the same room, like all three rooms at the same time, or is it one person monitoring each room?
0: No, there be there's always would be one person monitoring each room. You really couldn't keep up good enough with what's going on to be able to properly help them when they need it and keep yeah. track of everything. So every room would always have its own kind of dedicated person. Yeah, so there's anywhere between like four and seven cameras in every room, and there's uh, three or four mics in every room because most of your information actually comes from the sound because it's sort of hearing their thought process out loud. As people think of things, they're all talking talking to each other back and forth and they're sort of working through a problem that's really how you know where they're at because without sound you might think they're working on something and yeah. maybe they are but they could be so far wrong and you, yeah. you, would, you don't really know unless you can hear sort of their process <laughs> so it's really more of the audio which is how you really learn and I sort of learned that the hard way which is you know the Maryland School for the Deaf is right behind us Oh. and our games are all sort of ex- completely accessible we've had a lot of deaf groups play Blitzkrieg for example there's one puzzle we completely change when we have a deaf group Yes, yes. okay. Yeah. so there's sort of a t- completely different version that we just Hot swap real quick. The first time we had a deaf group, it was very interesting because we learned that you know obviously they communicate differently. They're not speaking; they communicate with sign language. So we don't know what they're thinking or what they're working on. Oh geez, we can only get our information from a visual standpoint. But it still works, and it's a very sort of fun thing to really watch people play. <laughs> the video is probably more entertaining. I don't know; they're both entertaining.
1: The crazy thoughts people have and try. Is- How frustrating were we as a group to? As I know, I'm to blame for at least one. Yeah, of Yeah, so it's- as smart as I sound I can <laughs> overthink something. So pretty- you, it's mostly entertaining when you watch and it's it's frustrating
0: at times. When it's frustrating is when people are so close to the right answer <laughs> and then they either just get completely derailed or they talk themselves out of an idea or or you realize that Patrick
1: can't count. Oh, no, what no, e- no. E- that's Brian who can't <laughs> count. Or maybe it was Brian that can't count. I'm not, I, I I'm not sure. I literally looked at one and say, it's like well, it has a picture of him on it. We, <laughs> that can't be the answer. I'm, I'm not
0: sure if it's <laughs> one of them. My, my favorite part of the whole thing, though, was when you kind of realized like, okay, let's let's try this one more time. You guys literally just switch spots. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was, but someone said, maybe someone that's
1: not you two should do it. Yeah. Since you
0: guys are the ones that screwed it's it like up It's like, we last obviously time.
1: can't communicate with yeah, each maybe other. Maybe someone else should, should plug in and just Tom, try get this That's the fun I think One of my favorite escape room memories is the first time we took my mother to one because she was someone who was like, I don't want to be scared. I want to be scared. Yeah. And she was so stoked about it, she asked to book one for Mother's Day.
0: Awesome. You get mom to love it. You know
1: you're doing something right. You're doing something. Absolutely. (laughs) How far have you gone to go to an escape room for your own enjoyment of it? I actually went up to Philly. Really? I had actually talked to the owners a little bit and
0: met them, and they had worked with some people that did some different design work and sort of made some more advanced props and stuff. So I wanted to kind of check out how all that came together and worked. But it's getting to the point where I have to drive pretty far now. I've got to go. (laughs) The nice thing is to keep popping up everywhere. We try to plan them now where we'll go play like a room. We'll have dinner. We'll go play another one. And we'll do two, maybe three in a trip to kind of make it more worthwhile a little
1: bit. What's something you'd really like to do that you haven't had a chance to do or what you think would maybe be impossible? So
0: space limitations is sort of the biggest thing, right? Because, you know, if you have unlimited space, you can do a lot of cooler things. My always sort of craziest sort of idea of something I would build if there were sort of no limitations around (laughs) it, right, would be essentially you would sort of start in in a time machine, whether you have a spaceship that can travel through time or something, right? And you essentially have to track down pieces of something that's sort of been scattered through time. You know, whether it's something like the Spear of Destiny kind of thing that could change the fate of the world, or you literally just have to sort of repair your ship or something. And so you sort of start in this big time machine section and you sort of work on some kind of first basic puzzle where you put in, you figure out like a code for like a year, right? You put this year in the console and a door opens on like the side of the ship and you step out of this door and you're in the 1700s you find part of this piece that you need and you eventually come back into the ship with new information and now you go into the future or maybe you go back to the oh, fourth cool. century so you're going to sort of travel through different times or not time zones time yeah, periods, time periods. And you might go to the future you might go to the past and you just completely different every little section that opens you're not really going to know what it's going to be what it's going to expect and it'll just sort of be this really cool surprise
1: every time that sounds like a day long
0: that you might need like yeah, it's a three-hour game yeah, there's a three-hour
1: you yeah do. we joke about how it's not a horror thing have you actually seen some run, like a scary escape room?
0: There are some that exist. One of my favorite games I've ever played is actually in Leesburg at Mm. a place called Exit Plan and they have a game called Serial, which is you're trapped by a serial killer. The game is actually not scary. So people, if you're scared of things, it's it's fun. You can check it out. It's not scary at all. The theme and the story is meant to be, but it's still not like a scary experience as you're playing it. It very quickly becomes just another kind of puzzle based challenge and it's a very awesome game. It's very fun. There's a place in LA called The Basement. Now this... I haven't played it, but I have some friends that have. It is meant to be scary. It is like dirty, dark, super creepy. There's a live actor in the game who's chained up, who's like a, another hostage that was already there oh, before man. this killer captured you guys. And so there are places that really do it. We have plans to do one that is much more horror-based because, you know, the most popular question we get is, again, is this scary? And some of those people want to make sure it isn't because they're worried they're going to be terrified. But more often, they're disappointed when I tell them no <laughs> because people love horror. Yeah. And the people that are into it are super Into it. We get requests because the most requested theme and room we have is people want something that is going to terrify them. Really? Yes. So we sort of have a working theory in place to kind of both tie into local history of some of the local kind of Civil War history and also take it in this very, very creepy. Direction. So that would probably be the next room we opened when we get some space to work out for it. One of the biggest problems I think we were realizing probably is it has to be easier mm. because people are much more hesitant to do things if they're scared. Yeah. Even if it's as simple as just what's in that drawer. <laughs> there's, okay. just, there's just a box sitting here. It's, it's not even locked. Just, just look in it. Yeah, just look in that thing. Just, just look in the box. Put Go your ahead. hand in that hole. What's in the box, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, just put your hand oh, in this, yeah. this creepy dark hole, right? Oh, man. That you can't see inside That's of. That's just full of
1: jello. Yeah, exactly.
0: Ah. There's a lot of fun, creepy things you can do with a horror based room too you can really mess with people you know we have our games are all sort of fully controlled where we have a lot of things that sort of integrate together where you know you kind of you take object A and you put it in the right spot and a door opens or a light changes or the soundtrack happens you can take that much further if your goal is to scare people actually oh, yeah. you can do a lot of really fun neat kind of tricks with things oh, So man
1: and it will be even more fun to watch yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you talk to a lot of other escape room owners yeah there's is a there like a secret group
0: underground, underground community
1: <laughs> there's a location
0: we meet once a month you have to know the knock. No, there's a Facebook You, you have to solve a Rubik's cube. solve <laughs> this right cube and stick it in a slot in the door <laughs> and it opens, right? I'm going to have to kill you now. Oh, to, no. You no know too much. There's a uh, there's a great Facebook community, actually. So there's there's actually an enthusiast group, which is just like any random person can join. It's just fans and people will go in there and they'll recommend rooms or, hey, I'm going to be traveling to this area. What's a fun room to play? And then there's a group of people who actually own escape rooms. And it's sort of a really cool thing because it's a very cooperative thing, typically, because they're all different. They're all unique. Most people that play want to play again, just like Like your mom did, right? They want to play again. So eventually, people are gonna play all the rooms you have. I've had people play all three of ours in a weekend. Oh jeez. Like it's (laughs) people are crazy about it. The fact that there's more places is great because they pull off our games. You can say, Oh, there's a great place right up the road here, there's a place over here, there's a place in this town down the road. And they're gonna keep playing more games, and you're never gonna be able to keep up with that demand. So there really is sort of a great community of people that kind of work together and you share ideas, and hey, I kinda got this problem, how do we kind of fix it, or how do we build this cool thing we're trying to do? So it's really kind of nice that it's this cooperative thing instead of this ultra
1: competitive market. It. So you gave us a tour actually when we came by. Can people just swing by and just like, hey, take a look in each of the rooms if you're having trouble deciding? Absolutely. People, okay, cool. Yep. I like to show people.
0: It, it's not going to give anything away, right? So you can yeah. open a door. Someone can look in. It's not like they're going to. Oh, I got four answers. I'm going to memorize <laughs> now. <laughs> I know the secrets. We're a little unique in this regard because we will show people our rooms. We take the team pictures. Mm. We try to take them in the rooms afterwards. We get some people that get super into them and like, we'll dress up like in blitzkrieg. They'll be throwing grenades and stuff. And <laughs> they get like super crazy into the pictures, which is always really fun. What we do that we think is different is we really push for immersion. So we want our games, you know, there's sometimes you go to Escape Room and you go to the website and it describes a story and you think that sounds really cool. And then you go play it and it kind of feels like you're in your dentist's office. And it has some locks on stuff. And it's this story just sort of quickly disappears. And you're like, uh, this no longer feels like an Egyptian tomb or the spaceship or whatever it was you described. This is not that. And it's often still a fun experience if you're yeah. into just the puzzle kind of thing. It's a cool thing. But we really want to tell more of a story. So we try to really build these fully immersive environments. Every little detail. The way we give hints the way the timer works is different in every single room we try to make it fit the story fit the theme fit the objective the puzzles the props we try to make everything really appropriate and this fully immersive thing and so because we do that we we like to show people we want them to know what they're getting into so we'll give people a tour especially if they've never some people are just walking by and they don't really know what it
1: is. That, so it's much easier to understand if you see it. That literally happened to us when I was trying to. When book you, were, you for the podcast, yeah. so like, hey, you want to be on the podcast? And Some yeah. dude walks up. and He's like, "What's a clue IQ? What is this? <laughs> Great, Scots. What is this place?" <laughs> I like it. So in conspiracy, does someone do you have a shoe phone that you can get hints out of instead of a walkie-talkie?
0: <laughs> no. So conspiracy is we actually use a, a screen on the wall. So the sort of idea in conspiracy is this sort of crazy guy has been uh, collecting just information on all sorts of different yeah. mysterious events, secret societies, government programs. Right? He's now disappeared. And and his sort of system is going to just erase itself. Oh, okay. um, so you you're trying get to get that. access to the information before it is gone. And he sort of has left in place this kind of AI system that sort of runs his office and overrides everything. So you sort of interact with this system, oh, cool. and it will sort of give you help. It can show you a video, it can show you a picture, it can write you a message in text, and it can sort of do can give you different information to help you. You know, Excalibur. There's literally a sort of a magical knight in the room, and the knight talks to you. Oh, so, so if people want help in Excalibur, they go over and they talk to the knight. And some people again get super. Into it, and they sort of create a character for themselves, and they actually we've had people like literally just have conversations with the knight and just talk chit chat with him. Oh, that's so we try to make it fit the story, we try to make it make sense and just keep you in the moment, keep you in the story. We want you to feel really immersed. We want you to feel like we took this video game yeah. and instead of being online and you're with your friends in your living room, you're playing it in real life, right? Or you're watching a movie like National Treasure, but you are the character in the you movie. Are Cage. You are Nicolas Cage, <laughs> and uh, you are you know getting to unravel this mystery. It's, it's funny when you get. Pl- Players into it too. You get people to get in the room, and they'll start like telling stories and like explaining some of the things when they you hear see. This thing about we, the thing? we, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, there's you know there's stuff about obviously like like NASA and CIA and like the MK Ultra program. A lot of <laughs> people have heard of before, and you know there's little references to all this stuff in the game, obviously. And people will start telling stories, and such people are like, dude, we don't have time for this. Yeah. Like, tell us about it later. Like, but that's one of the cool things too is everybody can sort of it can mean something a little different to anybody. You know, yeah. some people like butchery because it's just they're kind of a history buffer there. It can be more of an Indiana Jones kind of adventure. Yeah. Some people, it's more we had some kids. That came in and they had done sort of a mini kind of escape room game in school. that was very sort of an educational approach. Oh, that's and awesome. they were like, oh, so this is like what we did in school, but with Call of Duty. So like, <laughs> you know, to twelve year old boys, it was awesome. Oh, you know, that's for, awesome.
1: and it can mean something different to everybody, which how, is fun. When people bring in family, how young do you do you just discourage? Like, hey, if they're under ten, maybe not. Or so if it's part of like a mixed family group, it really doesn't matter because they're gonna.
0: We had a group do Excalibur this weekend. They had a three year old and a five year old, and they had a great time. Obviously, they did not help. Actually, the five year old found something that they. Could couldn't find for a long time and he was playing with it and uh he actually at one point was like hey i found something i found and they were like oh that's great hang on to it because they're sort of panicked at this point they're running out of time and he actually has what they need and they didn't realize it he, he uh he was wearing a, a batman t-shirt there was a point where they like, like they were trying to ask the knight trying to get help and so like the knight in order to help them was like you know batman has the information you seek like they were like <gasps> they, they were like wait a minute, what is he what did he find what did he find they ran over to the little kid and he's like i told you i found something <laughs> and they're like yeah good job good job oh that's... but you know so kids have a good time just Sort of playing in the room because it's whether you're in Blitzkrieg, they can put on a helmet or play with grenades or whatever. There's there's sort of stuff they can touch, they can interact with everything. They're not really going to break or hurt anything. Yeah, but we we do tell you know we get people that call and oh they want to have like a birthday party for seven year olds and we tell them like nah probably not the right thing because they're just not going to get it. It's gonna be a little too hard. Kind of twelve is usually sort of the cutoff we recommend for ability to solve the game and really understand all the puzzles. We've had younger kids do remarkably well sometimes, but it's just it's really hard with kids because obviously they're all going to be so different developmentally wise and everything. Yeah. But it's a mixed family group. It's great. It's fine. It's a lot of times that eight or nine year old has great ideas and it's just a question of is anyone going to listen to them? <laughs> <laughs> that? Could be another. That's a good family building, team building kind of Sure. Thing. Oh, this is the, the most fun groups to watch is <laughs> <laughs> when you have like four generations oh. of a family all together. You know, you have like a couple adult siblings and one of them has a kid and they have their mom and dad and crazy Uncle Bob and maybe <laughs> grandma's there. We had a 93 year old play Blitzkrieg. Oh. Actually is our oldest player. That's awesome. Yep. And he was, you know, he's telling stories about like his time in the military. Why is in there and different things? Yes. But it was, you know, it was great because they come out of this and we've had families do this and they come out and they go, you know, it was amazing because what else can we go do where the, the nine-year-old, the 93-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 50-year-old legitimately all had fun. They all enjoyed it. They all interacted together. They all worked together. And it was actually fun for all of them. I mean, it's this sort of really rare thing that brings everyone together in an actual fun
1: way. So I like to end all my interviews with with this exact same question. What are you looking forward to most? What are you looking forward to in 2018?
0: What I'm looking forward to most is getting some more space and building new rooms because that's the most fun part, right? Is sort of getting a room together, testing it out, coming up with new ideas, cool puzzles, and bringing something new out is always the most fun part. We just opened Excalibur in September, so we sort of opened too early and then opened that one a little later, and it's just its always fun working on that new project. My biggest sort of thing I'm always looking forward to is the next idea, because there's too many ideas, <laughs> and it's getting to actually put one of those into reality and building something for real is what we're most excited about, and we, we've got a couple other little things that are in sort of the group entertainment world that aren't exactly a escape room related that we're working on and trying to figure out uh, some space and how to do it so hopefully we'll have some cool new surprises for people in 2018 if people want to find out
1: more about clue iq where do they go everywhere
0: (laughs) no so the simplest thing to do is go to clueiq.com so you can go to our website it will tell you all about all the rooms it will have a video trailer for them. it will sort of describe them to you it will kind of explain how an escape room works what it is that is where you can buy tickets so you can go on there and look at this saturday at this time exactly what room i can play you can also keep up with us on facebook or instagram Instagram. So we like to post a lot of content on there. You can see pictures of groups that have played, check out what the rooms look like, and go from there. Or you can always just come stop by during our normal hour. There we go. Well, what are your normal hours? We are uh, open Wednesday through Friday in the evenings from about four to eight Wednesday and Thursdays. We stay up until about 10 on Fridays and then kind of all day Saturday and Sunday. We actually will be open on Tuesdays as well through the rest of the year, though, for the holiday season and everything. It's a little crazy, a little busier. So basically, every day but Monday, you can come play a game. If you're looking to do like a large private event, corporate kind of party, we can do that anytime you want. Just contact us. We can do it really any hour, any day, whatever fits your needs. Well, that's incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Patrick.